Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, thank you for allowing us to be in your house today, to be gathered together, and Lord, uh, to, to celebrate Palm Sunday and to look forward to the week ahead. Lord, the, the week ahead is a roller coaster, much like most of our lives. There are ups and downs. There are dark moments and victories. And Lord, I pray that this morning that you would remind us that there were some tough, difficult times in that week. There were some hard heartbreaking moments. And we want to jump to the victory quickly. And yet there was a lot of brokenness to get there. And so Lord, I ask that you would remind us this morning of that brokenness, the broken hearts, a broken body, A life ended too soon. And the sacrifice that was made for each one of us. We celebrate next Sunday because of that brokenness and that difficult week that Jesus would walk through. We remember the scattering of the disciples The chaos that would ensue on a Friday morning and a grave that would hold him for three days. All of those a part of the week. Let us not forget those. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, may you remind us of the challenges that are in life and the difficulties in life and how, Lord, you have redeemed us from those things. In your name we pray. Amen. I will admit that today's passage is not a Palm Sunday passage, so I want you to listen a little bit closer, and hopefully if if I do it right, if I do my job right, and God speaks through me, we'll be able to tie those strings together. We're in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. Before I start, I just want to make mention that this young man, Stephen, was preaching against the things uh, the Jews who had not heard, or had heard and not listened. And so it starts off at a really challenging spot. Verse 51 says, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now, and now you have betrayed and murdered him. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but you have not obeyed it. When this, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen 
full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of God, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of the young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul approved of this, their killing him. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. May God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning. Oh Lord, we come to you this morning. We're thankful. We're reminded that in the good and in the bad, that your name will be praised. That in the victory and in the broken, your name will be praised. And the sorrow and the joy, your name will be praised. Lord, I pray this morning for those who are hurting, those who are challenged, those who barely made it here this morning, not even sure why they're here. It's easy to look like we got it together. And a whole lot harder to recognize that you are the one who has it together. So, I, Lord, I ask even this morning, even now, that you would speak through me. That your words would be powerful because you are a powerful and mighty God. That we wouldn't lose sight, O Lord, of the difficult week and time and the hurt and all those things that happen to get to Sunday that we wouldn't lose sight of the challenges of this world. That our faith doesn't mean we have a free pass, but rather we have a hope of eternity. And as believers, eternity has started already. So Lord, help us to be long-minded, to see further out, to recognize more than just the pain of today, the hurt and sorrow that we struggle with on the short term, but rather allow us to look at the long term. We thank you that you are good and mighty. You are a good God who loves us so. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Oh, and you can go. All right. How are you guys this morning? I had a week off, so now you're getting two sermons for the price of one, right? Just joking. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Today's Palm Sunday. I know you know that, right? 
and uh, I, I want you to uh, remember that and enjoy that, that time. Um, and I want to encourage you, today is not a passage uh, from Palm Sunday, but I would encourage you during the week to read uh, John 12 is one of the, uh, one of my, probably my favorite of the bunch in the gospel. There's three out of the four gospels have a pretty good understanding of like, and show uh, what's going on. So I want to encourage you that during the week to read uh, what happened on Palm Sunday. But I think one of the things that can happen in church sometimes is that we get to Palm Sunday and it's exciting and it's celebration. And then we get to Easter Sunday and it's celebration and it's exciting. The tomb is open. Jesus is alive and we kind of forget what happened in the middle of that week or during that week. And I don't want to lose sight of what it took to get to Sunday. When they came in, and he came in on a donkey, he came in with this, the people had this idea that he was going to be the new king. He was going to come take over and do his thing. And a mere five days later, a mere five days later, the same crowd was given an option. An option, would you like Barabbas? Or would you like to release Jesus? The same people that waved their palms and were exciting, singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. A mere five days later. Screamed, crucify him, crucify him. I know what you're thinking. Rotten humans they are, aren't they? How could a group be so fickle to go from cheering them on, laying down their coats, to calling for his death in five, five quick days? And I ask myself, how far do I move from good to bad, from victory to failure, from anger to joy? How far can I move in five mere days? See, there's a whole lot of me, and there's a whole lot of you that's in that crowd. That's in that crowd that had no desire to allow our Jesus to live. Now we can all say, well, that was the way it was supposed to be. It was going to be, right? It was going to be that way. And that's easy to just kind of fluff that off. And Yeah, because it's a history, and we know it's in the history. We've read it in the Bible, and we've heard that since we were children. And it's quick and easy to say, well, let's just get past all the hard stuff and get to the end. The stone was rolled away, and yay! And we'll get there next week, right? But we've kind of missed the fact that Jesus had a rough week. And he had a rough week for each one of us. He took it to the cross for us. 
his rough week equals an opportunity for eternity for us. My hope, my goal, my challenge for you this week is that you reflect. I encourage you to read some of the gospel, especially John. I think John does a really great job of really uh, spelling out that week the best, in my opinion. But take the time to read the gospel of John this week. Get a sense of how the week went. This cheering and excitement turns dark in a hurry. Do you know that the next day, I think it's the, within the next day, he, he, when he goes and he overturns the tables in the temple, and he begins to cause trouble in the people's minds. There's a lot going on in that week. I just don't want you to miss that. Today's passage is a bit different, because I want, but I want you to think about what it takes for someone to stone another person. See, what happened on Palm Sunday? Yeah, they cheered him on, and then they crucified him a mere five days later. This passage today is about this young man, Stephen, who's preaching God's word, who's reminding the Jews that they have been stiff-necked, And it doesn't take long for them to. I thought about doing a countdown of uh, modern day stoning, but I didn't think that was appropriate uh, <laughs> because it's pretty violent and pretty vicious. And in our minds, we think, how could someone grab a stone and hit someone with it until they were dead? That sounds violent and dangerous and scary. What kind of person could take this stone and smash somebody with it? I just want you to know that each one of us have taken this stone and damaged people with it. That's the reality. We're going to talk a little bit about stones of death today. Mind you, most of us, not all of us, probably haven't murdered people in the literal term. But I will ask you how many times you have assassinated somebody's character. Most often, not in their face. Most often, when they didn't have any chance to rebut the accusations. Most often, when they didn't even know their character was being assassinated. It's easy to say, well, I would never throw a rock like that at somebody. And yet we throw rocks that hurt just as deeply and painfully. We say things we know we ought not say. How many times, I guarantee that as I say it, you'll know. How can you, you can remember things that someone said to you that hurt so deeply even when you were a child. 
I don't have to ask you what they are. I don't have to trigger your memory. They're there. Someone said that to me. Someone said, you'll never find a girlfriend. Someone said, you're stupid. Someone said, you're fat. Someone said, you'll never make anything out of yourself. You're the laziest farmer I ever met. You're unlovable. Right? The list could go on and on and on. I guarantee we could, we could spend the rest of this morning on, on a list of things that people have said that have hurt so deeply. Christians, we need to learn to bite our tongue. We do well to bite our tongue. So I'll ask you, how many death stones have you thrown in the past? This passage this morning is all about stones. Stephen responds in a different way. Probably a different way than I would have responded, guaranteed. I bet if I was a betting man, I wouldn't find a soul in here who could sit and take what Stephen took and ask God to forgive them. So let's talk a little bit about what will keep us from those death stones. The first one is to loosen up. Loosen up. You see what Stephen tells him in verse 51? You stiff-necked people. It's probably one of those terms we don't really understand what it means, right? We read it in scriptures like, what does that mean? It was a reference. It was a reference to an oxen that would not be, it could, you could put him in the yoke, but you could not get him to work with the other one and actually get anything accomplished. Meaning that if you pulled the left, their head wouldn't turn to the left to turn the implement they were pulling. They were stiff-necked, unable to listen, unable to work it out, unwilling to change. A stiff-necked oxen was one you could beat and beat and beat, and he wouldn't change. And when Stephen cries out to this Jewish his audience that he's in front of, he says, you're stiff-necked, you will not change. Your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. Talk about a cut into the heart, right? You're just like your grandmother. The challenge is, he says, you always resist the Holy Spirit. Ouch. Ouch. You always resist the Holy Spirit. That means as a believer in Christ, you know what's right. You know when to bite your tongue. You know when not to say the thing you say. And yet you resist the Holy Spirit and say what you should. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to stop bickering amongst yourselves. Believers in Christ, stop. 
Stop getting on Facebook. Stop getting on social media. Stop doing those things that continue to beat each other down. We are in a spot, believers, where we need to step up and be together. There is no such a better time now than to tighten the ranks and begin to work together. It's not going to get easier. And it's easy to say, well, I don't, I, I just want to stay, I'm not going to go there, I don't want to do that. We need to continue to grow and open up and challenge ourselves in our faith. If your theology is the same today as it was last year, there's a problem. And I'm calling you on it. If your theology is the same today as it was last year, there's a problem. Because Scripture says, listen, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Continue. This, this is Paul talking to the Philippian church, the church he likes the best in the New Testament. Most people would say it's the happiest, uh, comfortable, nice uh, book that Paul wrote uh, to a church. He loved the Philippian church. He loved them for what they did and how they responded and how they treated Paul. And he says, listen, you need to continue to work out your salvation. That means you need to continue to grow. I don't care if you've been a believer for 30 years. There's something to learn in Scripture. There's a place to grow and be moved and adjusted. I've always said, that's what's so cool about the Bible. I've watched people take and study their whole life in one book, just like the book of Revelation. And they spend their whole life, their whole career on one book, and they still don't have it figured out. There's so much to learn and to grow. Loosen up. Understand that God is still working in your life. This is not a dead faith, but really an active opportunity for us to grow and change and be sanctified. I'll say it one more time. If, if your theology hasn't changed in a year, there's a problem. And I'm going to call you on it. It's stagnant. You don't have to like it. I don't really, I didn't sign up to be liked. I'm telling you what Scripture says. Scripture says we need to be growing. And we need to be challenging each other. We need to be iron sharpening iron. Not fluff and flowers and unicorns and roses. We're in a fight. We're in a fight for people's souls. Don't forget it. And if it becomes a club, I'm out. Right? We don't need a club. We don't need another Bible club, another church club. We're in a fight for souls. Don't forget it. I want to encourage you that if you're not doing anything on Wednesday night, or if you are, I want to encourage you that we've been getting together and still getting together on Wednesday night for Bible study. And we've changed the format a little bit. Uh, and I love the format, I will tell you. It's a little more challenging for me. But here's the format. I invite you to come. I invite you to bring your Bible and a question and or a problem you might have. 
I will prepare something, usually not very much, and it's a free-for-all. And I mean a free-for-all as in the Spirit's leading the night. And I will tell you, Roscoe's smiling, that we have gone all over the place. And there are some nights I don't feel comfortable. But you know what? God brings people, and we come together. We spend about 10 to 15 minutes in prayer, uh, looking over the prayer list, and about 50 minutes uh, studying God's Word. And everybody brings their Bible, and we open it. We start someplace, and who knows where it ends. I can guarantee you it never ends where I thought it was going to, where it started. It's still there. It's still growing. And it's encouraging and challenging. I love it. I love the format because it's a matter of, listen, you got a problem? Good, bring it. You're struggling with a, a verse? Good, bring it. It reminds me that I need to loosen up. Last week we talked about uh, this crowd, and not everyone agrees that the same crowd that was there on Sunday was the same crowd that was there on Friday. And I, I, seem, I believe it is, but... But I'm okay with that idea as long as someone has worked through that and thought about it and, and really has dug into the scripture to challenge themselves to ask. And so I encourage you on Wednesday night, if you're available, to come sit in the great room with us and work through some scripture. To challenge yourself, to grow, to bring a question of faith. Some of the questions have been absolutely just awesome. Second thing we can do to keep away from those death stones is to listen. To listen up. Did you see what the people did? They covered their ears and they yelled at the top of their voices. And in the process, they rushed Stephen. They chose not to listen to what he had to say. It's a pretty cool thing. In, in Scripture, you notice a lot of times, two things usually happen with prophets, right? They either are cut to the heart, is what the scripture says a lot of times, and they get it, right? And they're like, holy cow, we need to make a change, we need to turn around. Or they just totally ignore the message, the prophet. They might even put them in a cistern or something. We do the same thing. Sometimes we're cut to the heart. Our hearts are broken when we are reminded of our sin. Or something that needs to change. And sometimes we just ignore it like it's for the person next to us. Which would have been my wife, see? If my wife would just listen, that would have been all right. Right? We do that. We laugh, but we do that. I, obviously, that wasn't the word for me. That was the word for her. When you're reading Scripture, are you looking... To be cut to the heart? Or are you just reading it for reading its sake? Does God's word ever bring you to tears? Or hurt your heart so deeply that you can't get it together? Or is it just an exercise in reading a book that's put in front of you? It's the reason I love the one-verse plan. I'm a simple person. 
I'm simple-minded. I'm not always a deep thinker. So one verse for me is great. I don't have a lot to remember. I can keep it on my tongue. I can think about it all day. And you know what? I'd rather that God spoke in my life one verse than a whole chapter of just reading it for reading its sake. Believers, we need to be better listeners. Better listeners. Don't try to solve the other's problems, but rather just listen. Be empathetic. Listen to what's going on in their life. These people in, in, that were going to throw the rocks for, at Stephen, they just refused to listen. They heard it and they hated it. And so their stones were stones of death. That means you can't talk. It's hard to talk and listen at the same time. Doesn't work very well. You know how that works, right? You're, you're talking in one conversation while you're listening to this conversation. And somehow your brain is trying to function doing both at the same time. Doesn't work very well, right? Or, hey, let, let me talk to you. Right? Whoa, I got a new text. And Greenfield's alive. I just saw that. We need to be better listeners. Believers, listen to what is being said. Listen intently. You know, Job's friends, they took a beating, right? Everybody, we all know about Job's friends, and we pick on Job's friends because Job's friends told him, obviously, there's something wrong with you, Job, and you're a bad dude, and uh, something, obviously, you did something because God's uh, mad at you. But we, for, we missed the part about Job's friends. And I guarantee you, I'm willing to take this bet, that there isn't a soul out here who's done this for a friend. I guarantee it. Because you guys, and I, got, I can't keep my mouth shut for more than one day, let alone seven. Job chapter 2 says, They sat with Job on the ground seven days and seven nights, and not speaking a word to him, because he saw, they saw he was in excruciating pain. When's the last time you sat with a friend for seven days and seven nights? Never, right? Never. When's the last time you sat with a friend for a whole day, 24 hours, and didn't say a thing? Right. I think we, we all know. Never. That's a long time. We need to be slow, quick to listen, and slow to speak, slow to get angry. See, because sometimes what comes out of our mouth is no different than this rock. When someone's already hurting, someone's broken, and inadvertently drop the rock right on their head. We don't mean to. Very rarely we sit around and do it on purpose. But I challenge you to begin to listen And the third thing we need to do is to look up. Verse 60 says, 
Then he, Stephen, fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. For anyone who doesn't know, he fell asleep forever. Asleep equals dead. Do not hold this sin against them. That's challenging. It's really challenging. Wonder how often our thin skin gets in the way. Believers, we need to grow a little bit thicker skin. We need to grow some skin that allows those things. There are going to be struggles around us. There are going to be things that happen in the government around us. There are going to be things in our family we don't like. We need to focus on looking up instead of looking around. I can promise you one thing. You can squawk all you want about the government and the politics and all that jazz, but I guarantee you what you said didn't change it. Changes you, but it doesn't change what's going on. Our eyes need to be pointed towards the heavens. They need to be pointed up. Stephen, in his final moments of his breathing and living for the last moments of his life, does not look at those around and curse them for, for throwing rocks, but rather he looks up to God and he asks for forgiveness for his betrayers, for those who had sinned against him. Does that sound familiar? There's another scripture where a man named Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Let me encourage you. <laughs> Let me encourage you. Jesus reminds his disciples. I've told you these things that you might have peace. Take heart. You will, it says, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That one verse reminds me. There will be problems in my life. Christianity will not solve all of the daily temporal concerns that I have. I'm still going to get a flat tire if I'm going to get a flat tire. The washing machine will still break. I may still lose my job. I still may lose a dear family member. I still probably will have some broken relationships. I still will say things that don't make sense and or aren't comforting or appropriate. Christianity doesn't fix them all at once. It's a process and, it, and a working in our lives. There will be struggles. Jesus says, listen, there's going to be problems, but I have overcome the world. He doesn't take us out of it, but through it. 
Think about just for a moment his last week. He came in riding on a donkey. Just, just so you know, to give you a little reference, people who rode on a horse, usually that stood for war or conqueror. Those who rode on a donkey came in peace. The people there wanted a conqueror. They wanted someone to come in and overthrow the government. To take over and change things. Jesus came in peace. The week just goes crazy. There's a lot going on. This week is, you know, there'll be uh, Gethsemane, uh, which is actually... If you're going to read, that'd be like Thursday night. Read Matthew 26, I think it is. Uh, read that account of Gethsemane when Jesus is going to pray in Gethsemane before he is uh, taken. That's the, the scripture that famously reminds us. People say that it could have very easily sweated blood. Talks about his cup. He says, if it is your will, God, take this cup away. And if not, your will be done. His week was rough. Our lives will show some of that. This Christian walk is not a free pass like Monopoly has. There are challenges, and it can be difficult. If you're signing up for Christianity because you want a free ride, you've missed it. Not a free ride, but rather a hope to walk through it. That's our faith. And this week, as you think about what happened, I pray that you remember what next Sunday will be. We'll be excited to be together next Sunday. It'll be Easter. The stone will be rolled away. Our hope in Jesus restored. But if we lived in that moment that happened to be that time when Jesus was on earth, it would have been a rough week. Our emotions would have been torn and tattered. We've been excited to see him roll in on a donkey and terrified by Friday. His best friends scattered amongst the people. Saturday had to have been a rough, rough, long day. Only to wake up on Sunday morning and be reminded of those words. I bet, this is my assumption, but I bet the words uh, rung through their ears when Jesus had told them about what was going to happen. That's the Jesus we serve. He went to the cross, and you won't very often see a, uh, a figure on the cross in a Baptist church, right? It's not very often we see. We almost always show an empty cross. Why? Because we know he didn't stay on the cross. He was off the cross. 
And we have in this world made a cross a nice necklace and or an ornamental thing. But it would have been anything but an ornamental or happy thing. It was a sign of death. A reminder of those who crossed the government. Those who had done something so atrocious. We're not talking about the death penalty. We're talking about six to eight hours normally pinned to a, uh, some wood. And just so you know, you didn't die of uh, blood loss. You died of suffocation because you could no longer lift your chest to breathe. Most vicious, cruel way to end a life. He took that for us. He took that because he loved us. He wanted to make a way out. We couldn't make it on our own. He was the lamb, the second Adam, Scripture says. The Old Testament points forward and says, he was a lamb led to slaughter. He did that for us, for you, for me. Because he loved us. Let's pray. Lord, I come to you reminded that my brokenness caused you to go to the cross. My inability to do it right made for a way that I needed to have a way out. Lord, I thank you for the love that you showed even when I turned my back. When I decided I wanted to go one way and not the other, when I decided I had a better plan than you had, you were still waiting. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone here who hasn't made that decision in their own life, that they haven't come to terms with what happens when they die. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage their heart, that they would contemplate even now, this week, uh, Lord, that they would think about the sacrifice that was made for them. And Lord, I ask that you would soften their heart to recognize the difference you make in their life. In your name we pray. Amen.